everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we discuss the value and impact of spiritual mentors. We also talk about the pitfalls of when these mentors are absent in a teen's life. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the beautifully messy home from home podcast with Ellen and Morgan. We are excited that you're joining us today. Uh, Today, we are talking about, I think, something like super beautiful in the communities that we are a part of, um, if you're a part of a local church, and that is the role of a spiritual mentor during the formative years. And before we jump into this super exciting topic, as always, Ellen is going to share with us her messy moment of the week. (laughs) Yes. Like we said in our last podcast, we enjoy publicly humiliating ourselves, obviously. (laughs) So my messy moment is that my kids have been sick for like a straight two months, right? Um, It's just tis the season, right? And so my youngest, who's seven months old, he was really congested. And my mother-in-law suggested one day, maybe you should like do a steam shower with him, right? Like sit in the bathroom and make it real steamy, make the water really hot and sit outside of the shower with him. So one night, three o'clock in the morning, he's up, he's fussy, he's congested, can't sleep very well, right? And so I thought, oh, perfect time. I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, nothing else to do. Let me try this steam shower idea, right? So I just went in without any research, right? I was like, oh, my mother-in-law said steam shower, I'm going to do steam shower. So I can go in, turn it to really hot. I'm sitting there with him for a long time, did the steam shower. And then afterward, I realized, oh, man, I should have thought this through because he was like, like, it was really hot. There was steam. I hate being hot. Right. And I thought, man, I'm here sacrificing for my kid. Right. And I thought, (laughs) let's get it all out. Like, let's if I have to endure this heat, which I hate, I'm going to like make it count. Right. Like we're going to stay in here as long as I can stand it. So after like a good 20 minutes, I was like, okay, that's enough. Right. Water's starting to get cold. So I had to like get him undressed. He was all like our clothes were wet from how steamy it was. I had to take him outside and in, you know, outside the bathroom. I didn't want like it to be too shocking in the, in the temperature. So I had to undress him, wrap him in a towel, like really warm him up. We went out. I got him dressed. I was feeding him. And then as I'm like rocking him in the chair, feeding him, I thought, huh, man, I wonder if I did that right. So I thought, well, let me look it up now after the fact and see if I did this right. Right. So I looked it up and I was like, okay, yeah, I did all the steps, sit in the steam shower. Right. And then I read something that said, whatever you do, do not do it for more than five to seven minutes because it could be dangerous. And I was like, Oh no. I raised his oh, body man. temperature too much. He's going to be like, he's going to pass out and I'm not going to know what to do. It's three o'clock in the morning. Where am I going to go? So I did the only rational thing to do at three o'clock in the morning when you're sleep deprived with a seven month old. And that is, I carried my little baby to my refrigerator. I opened the refrigerator and I straight up circle of life simba him, like, oh, 
then, yeah, right in front of the refrigerator. And I was like, I got to cool him off. I got to cool down his core body temperature. And I just thought, if someone was watching oh this, like, gosh. through I this, like, above, this would be so embarrassing. You guys. So I flash fried uh, my kid. I, this story gets me every time Ellen tells it to me. Uh, and if anybody out there who's a parent is questioning their parenting abilities, let Ellen and I just be a source yeah, of comfort. You're in good you. company. Yep. Yep. Again, no judgments here. No judgments. That's here. right. This is a judgment free zone. I've straight up flash fried my kid. <sighs> oh, man. Well, thanks for that uh, fun story, Ellen. Let's jump into it. So today we are going to talk about spiritual mentors. Uh, and we're just going to start by sharing some of our maybe some favorite memories or even like what stood out to us, like what made somebody a spiritual mentor. And maybe we can just start with the understanding that a spiritual mentor could be somebody in your church or outside of your church. But this person in particular is helping lead you towards God. That might be an array of things and look very different. You know, Ellen and I will share some of our experiences, but this isn't just a mentor who, uh, you know, is going to talk to you about nothing spiritual, right? There, There is a spiritual aspect. So I wanted to make that distinction before we jump in. But Ellen, why don't you start us off by sharing uh, maybe some stories of what that mentorship looked like in your life? Yeah, well, I mean, I would even say this carries over into spiritual mentors later in life, right? There's some similar characteristics here. What I remember is I'm so grateful when I look back because I grew up in a church culture that was very um, behaviorally focused, right? Like they were like, we want to get you to the baptismal and that's our sole focus. Fortunately, I did not feel that from my preteen and teen mentors, right? Like those spiritual mentors during that time in my life. I didn't feel like this was there was this ulterior motive Motive. Like, I'm just, I don't really care about you. I'm just trying to reconnect you with God, like, as my duty, right? I genuinely felt genuine care and interest in me at that time, in a time in life where it was so important for me to have that, not just from people outside of my parents, but also from older people who could affirm some of the things and see some of the things and articulate some of the things in me that my peers couldn't. So that's what I remember is I'm so grateful when I look back that I didn't feel this you know, stale, cold, ulterior motive that they didn't really care about me. They wanted to get me, you know, to fall in love with God at all costs. I really felt genuine care and interest. And that really did a lot for me attributing those aspects to God as well, right? I wasn't like, oh, God's only interested in my obedience or my, you know, um, getting into the baptismal, right? Doing the right things. He's also genuinely interested in me. So that was a really important connection for me early on in life. Yeah, absolutely. And and I can relate a lot to that as well. Um, you know, the church that I grew up in, uh baptism as a preteen or teen wasn't uh as heavily um uh, encouraged. Uh, but I think the spiritual mentor was still an incredible piece of it because I think what really stood out to me was that these, you know, college or young adults would want to step into some of those I think they're uncomfortable gaps. I think of myself right now, I'm 32 and trying to relate to a teenager. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm speaking a whole nother language, like yeah. things that I'm not necessarily comfortable with. Like I'm not on TikTok. And so I have to like engage with these social media platforms that I'm like, what, like, what is this? Tell me more, you know? And I appreciated that. I appreciated the people, my mentors that would 
take interest in what I was interested in, right? They would come to my basketball games. They would come and uh, support me in the things that I was interested in, which goes so far, right? Like how much do you love a friend who's like, I'm going to do what you want to do instead of just being very self-focused. I think the other thing that I really wanted to point out was that my brothers were really incredible spiritual mentors. I think sometimes Mm. we can look for spiritual mentors outside of our immediate families, but they both are two and four years older than me. Really great guys. My oldest brother is uh, actually a pastor. And so they were just super level headed all through high school, all through college and really held firm to the faith that we were raised in. And that to me was so powerful because I watched them live out their faith and I watched them stand up for their faith. And that had a huge impact on me to want to follow in those footsteps. So definitely don't underestimate the aunties, the uncles, the brothers, sisters that maybe aren't your, well, that aren't your parents, but are close enough to really be able to know you a little bit deeper than maybe people outside of your family. I love that. Uh, So in these spiritual uh, mentor relationships, um, what did those times look like? So say you found a spiritual mentor or you did have a spiritual mentor. I know you mentioned that. What did that time look like when you guys actually got to hang out? Yeah, you know, I think like you mentioned, Morgan, they were God-centered, right? Like we, I knew my whole teen group at church, right? Like we knew our, these spiritual mentors, they're, they really cared about us, but they also really cared about us and God, right? And turning us to God eventually. So that wasn't like a surprise, right? And so God was at the center of a lot of our times together, but not always, right? Like we weren't interested in only God at that time in our life. And so sometimes we would talk openly and freely about God, right? Like we would ask questions, but sometimes we wouldn't. We would just enjoy, have fun. I remember going to the mall with these spiritual mentors, right? Going to see movies. I think what was really cool is we would, um, well, I do have memories of getting together to watch Alias every Sunday night, which was big back then, right? We would like get all of our food together and go watch it together and then talk about it, right? So that was like a meaningful memory or or uh, ritual that we shared together that didn't necessarily have anything to do with God. Also, I remember thinking it was really cool to go to their house and hang out and kind of see like how they lived, right? They were probably in their early to mid thirties. And that was cool. They weren't my parents. They weren't as old as my parents, right? They weren't, maybe they were in their late twenties, right? They weren't that like cringy, right? Um, but they were older, they were cool. Like I wanted to know what it looked like to live as a Christian, but in that stage of life, right? That was sort of unfathomable to me at that time. I could only picture how my parents did it, right? Mm. So that was really cool. And then I remember always being really excited about their romantic lives, right? Like every time <laughs> of one course. of them would start dating, I'd be like, oh, tell us more, right? So <clears throat> I think they had a genuine interest in us and we had a genuine interest in them. And we just kind of did life together. And I, I totally agree with what you said, Morgan. Like, I can't imagine now being the age that I am now and having to interact sometimes with preteens and teenagers, how uncomfortable it must have been for them sometimes, right? Like they have to enter into a whole different realm. I know you've done this, right? In your own uh, service to God, in your own ministry, worked with that demographic. And I have the utmost respect for people that do that. I don't think I have that that ability, right, to step into that realm with people. Um, But I really admire the people that do. But I love 
about my time in that, you know, stage of life that there wasn't any like big mic drop epiphany like moments with mm. these spiritual mentors. It was just being able to be open with them about my life, feeling like they have a genuine interest in me, and being able to get a glimpse into their life as older Christians. But I don't know, how was your time with that, Morgan? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so I have uh, one really like, I think, pivotal moment that I remember from this mentorship, um, the spiritual mentor that was a part of my life. But I had gotten into like midway through high school, I'd gotten into a pretty rough relationship that was not public to everybody. And it was really interesting because I'm sure you can think of if you're a teen, you probably know that moment when you start doing things you're not supposed to do. And really, your whole demeanor starts to change, right? You start to get a little bit more secretive, or you pull back a little bit. Uh, And if you're a parent or an older adult that goes to church, you can notice when a teenager kind of shifts, right? When they are starting Mm -hmm. to get involved in some things that Uh, they're not supposed to. And so or that's just changing their character. Right. And so that's where I had found myself about halfway through high school. And uh, so, you know, I'd show up on to church every Sunday thinking that I was hiding it fair and square. And, you know, nobody could notice that I was speaking a little differently, acting a little bit differently. But this one spiritual mentor in particular, she Uh, just wrote me a letter before I graduated from high school. And as I was going off to college and I'm like, oh man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do everything I'm not supposed to do when I get to college. And she just reminded me uh, in this letter Mm -hmm. of who I was and who she believed that I could be and uh, what she saw in me and the qualities, uh, the spiritual qualities that she saw in me. And I remember exactly where I was standing when I read it and I was furious I was like, why would she write this to me? Right. Because I got defensive mm. because I'm like, oh, she must know. Again, this relationship was secret. So I'm like, oh. she must know what's going on. How does she know instead? But now I look back and I'm like, wow, she was reminding me who who I was to God. And although it didn't mm. hit in that moment, <laughs> uh, I I definitely believe that was one of the pillars when I did decide to really turn back to God. One of those pillars that was kind of cemented in the ground, reminding me of who I was. Oh, wow. I love that. You know, if I were to give advice to any spiritual mentors, especially at this stage, it would be to do exactly what that spiritual mentor did for you, right? See them, see who they really are, not through the eyes of the world, not through your eyes, but through the eyes of God, right? Remind them where their true identity lies in God. And that is stable. That's exactly what she did. I love that it was, you know, um, met with like anger, right? Like, how dare (laughs) you remind me of who I really am? But I love that. That's exactly what I would offer to spiritual mentors who are mentoring people in this stage of life. You know, there's a statistic out there that says that for every um, one thing a child or a teenager hears from their parents, they need to hear it from five other adults in order for it to take root in their hearts. So spiritual mentors, you are doing the Lord's work, (laughs) right? It it doesn't have to be these epiphany-like nuggets, golden nuggets that you're offering to the people you're mentoring. Just being with them, doing life with them, seeing them through the eyes of God is so moving in and of itself. Absolutely. And and there's a couple other uh, pieces that I wanted to add to that too, Ellen. Um, just advice for spiritual mentors as we wrap up the podcast. Uh, but I also had, gosh, I always, whenever I'm giving advice, I always have a really hard time sharing negative experiences because I think sometimes it can 
just put a, a really tainted perspective on this situation. But let me just preface it by saying I believe that this individual had great intentions when I was a teenager in what he was trying to share with me. But as I mentioned, I played basketball my whole life. I was in a competitive uh, club. And so we would practice on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. And I would prioritize going to church if I wasn't at practice. Me and my parents had talked about this and we agreed that it was fine. I was still going to youth group. I, I mean, I went to the school that was also my church. So still very involved. And, you know, he came up to me one Sunday and was like, hey, I, I don't think that you should play basketball on Sundays. I think it's unspiritual and um, you need to prioritize being at church. And I started sobbing. This was a spiritual mentor mm. that I, I very highly respected. And I felt like he was rejecting a part of my identity. If you listen to our past yeah. podcast, we talked a lot about identity and uh, I felt like he was rejecting me. And this was something that me and my parents had decided upon. And a spiritual mentor was stepping into a space that was not theirs to step into. And so I would say just just try to align yourself um, with not align yourself with what the parents are wanting, but Definitely tread lightly when you're going to disapprove of something. And I say that with, gosh, a, a big asterisk, because another another piece to this is like as a spiritual mentor, setting good boundaries, right? So, hey, if there's mm -hmm. anything that is going to harm you or if you're going to harm yourself, I am going to need to share that with your parents. That's a boundary that's unmovable. Amen. Everything yeah. else can be confidential. Um However, I think when it comes to saying, hey, you shouldn't do this or you should do that, I think just tread lightly. Just think through what what is going, what's the intended outcome that you're trying to produce by sharing this information? And again, I think that my spiritual mentor was trying to do something positive of like, hey, prioritize going to church. But I think it just landed a little bit, um, a little bit rougher than he intended. Uh, yeah. And then I think um, my last... Uh, piece of advice for spiritual mentors is if you aren't currently a spiritual mentor to anybody and you, you know, are involved in a church community, I would say seek out a teen or a preteen to be a spiritual mentor too. And that can look like going up to the parents and saying, hey, like I would love to pour into a child and I wanted to see what you thought about me being a spiritual mentor to your child. Uh, or if you don't know any teens or preteens, you can ask the church community. Usually a youth pastor or the lead pastor will know of families who would be interested in that. Uh, there are ways for you to give back in your church community. And it is so powerful. I think if there's one thing that Ellen and I, and hopefully you've taken from this podcast today, is that spiritual mentors can really uh, help some really foundational uh, godly pieces in our character that aren't direct teaching from parents. Parents have a very high calling to raise their children in the Lord, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of buffer that needs to happen with other family and spiritual mentors in your church community that are super, super important. So um, we hope that you likewise can walk away from the podcast today, both inspired by your own story that you've had with spiritual mentors or that you are inspired to go and be a spiritual mentor to others. So thanks for joining us. And we look forward to uh, seeing you back on our next podcast. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description.
Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.